Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast coming up on this episode. Peak Zwift, who got it right? And more intriguingly, have we seen Peak Zwift? The Tour de Zwift, race, ride, run, stream. Is this going to be the biggest thing ever on Zwift? And we got a velodrome, except it's blue and full of runners. What's that all about then? Uh, well, 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 episode 75. Who'd have thunk it? And with me now, as they've been with me for more than 70 episodes, are the real stars of the Swiftcast. GP Llama Man Shane Miller. G'day, mate. Hello, how are we doing? Pretty good. We'll talk about where you are in a moment because it's quite interesting. And the voice of Zwift and Sage of Wisconsin, one Nathan Gary. Yo, dude. Uh, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Shane, uh, you have just landed in Adelaide, where the Tour Down Under, the first kind of proper cycling outdoor thing of the season is. How's it there, my friend? It is nice and warm. The sun is just setting now. It's shorts and T-shirt weather. The first stage of the Women's Tour Down Under has been ridden and won. Chloe Hosking took that, so an Aussie taking the win in the first stage of the Women's Tour. The Men's Tour starts off uh, next Tuesday, but there's a few other races, a few other events, um, and a lot of Zwifters to catch up with. So it's going to be a big week. Yeah, I mean, we, we were just saying the racing, obviously the race is great. It's great to be there. It's great to see the races, but actually a, a bit like Zwift, actually. It's, it's more about community, isn't it? It's more about everybody who's anybody or interested in cycling in Australia is in town this week. Everybody relocates. Australia doesn't have a Eurobike. We don't have any kind of industry events of that kind of size, but everybody relocates to what's named as Radlade for the week. And you can go out for a ride solo and come home with 20 friends. It's fantastic. So I'll be out tomorrow morning early in the hills by myself. And the trick is to go out early by yourself. So you never get dropped. You're setting your own pace and then you tear someone's legs off once you've warmed up. So uh, looking forward to it. It's always great ride over here great company and yeah tons of events every day that's the best reason i've heard for riding solo ever you can't get dropped it's <laughs> true uh, nathan how's things with you my friend i know very busy with uh, what we're going to be talking about quite a lot this episode the, the uh, tour de swift of course uh yeah and lots and lots of riding i've got uh the race bug a little bit again yes well again we're slated to talk about that later in the show because I, I i think there's been a bit of a, a bit of a large development in your return to to racing but we will get to that before the end of the show and this is it's a kind of landmark show of sorts. It's a pretty rubbish landmark, actually. 75, it's not 50, it's not 100. But, you know, <laughs> we work with what we've got. And the thing we're about to discuss is also in the 70s. This is really getting tenuous now, but, but bear with me. Sound in the background is a horse being flogged. But uh, we are going to claim a victory. So there, stand by. This is definitely a win for the Zwiftcast in capital letters. Um, I think I was pretty much the only person in the world who noticed that late last year, Zwift changed climbing cadence from 70 to 80. So your dude got out of the saddle on a slope at 80 RPM, not 70 RPM. I found this annoying. Uh, but I have to say, I didn't notice that the rest of the Zwift universe, man in the barricades, all lighting up the pitchforks. Actually, I think, I think it was just me. Anyway, we did make the point here on the Zwiftcast, and lo and behold, I'll go to the foot of our stairs and knock me down with a feather if our Long Beach overlords didn't switch it back to 70 RPM in the last update. That was, Shane, without the faintest shadow of a doubt, down to us. 
Absolutely that, and also the uh, the blurring effect in workout mode. We all hated that. We all wanted to see that go. That's now an option we can turn off. But yes, saddle gate has been fixed. We are now seated until about 70 RPM, which makes more sense. Absolutely. Yep, it's a good one. Uh, yep, thanks to the Zwift cast. Thanks, guys. Thanks to Zwift HQ for implementing that as well. Yeah, I'm not sure it's totally off it, but I'm definitely claiming it. <laughs> the, the thing is, they do listen, you know, Nathan. In fact, John Mayfield and Eric, May, Eric Min pretty much hang on your every word on the Zwiftcast. Um, does that make you nervous too? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I have my doubts about that, but um, good, to, good, good to hear. Good to hear, and and I guess we'll have some extra punctuation at the end of every sentence. <laughs> You're speaking in your best telephone voice. Right on. The second Tuesday in January has now assumed a degree of importance in the Zwift calendar. It has become, in recent years, Peak Zwift Day. That's the day we see the most number of concurrent, concurrent users on the platform. That day has come and gone, and the results, as they say, are in. And we have a winner. Stop gloating, Shane, mate. You can almost hear the smoke satisfaction from 12,000 miles away uh, from a glittering array of so-called Zwift experts, including me. Um, obviously, I'm not particularly expert because I got this one wrong. Uh, um, Nathan Guerra, the voice of Zwift, Ray Maker, the god of sports tech, Eric Slanger, the editor of Zwift Insider, and a certain Australian. Uh, one has emerged as the winner with the nearest guest, Peak Zwift. So to recap, DC Rainmaker went with 21,000 concurrent riders. Nathan went for around 20,000. Eric Slanger went with a scientifically calculated 18,289. I went with a straight 18,000. And Shane, pessimistically, we all thought, went with 16,666. But, friends, the lowest was the closest. Peak Zwift came in at 16,231. That's a 24% increase on last year's Peak Zwift. Shane, can we keep this speech brief? I assume you want to thank your agent, your mum, and everybody else who made it all possible. Yeah, can, can you hear that sound? That that's the sound. That that's the sound of success. Oh, that's it's that's absolutely brilliant. Look, look I've all, I'll always say, look, there's room to fail, and you've got to be prepared to fail, as the four of you were prepared to fail, and you went out there and got it completely wrong. So, look, what can I say? I'd like to thank everybody involved in Zwift. It's been a long time coming. We've been on Zwift since early 2015 we've traveled the world and it's all leading up until this very point where i got that absolutely right it wasn't a guess that was an absolute spot on calculation that i did so i'd like to thank everybody involved for having me on the zwift cast for so long to get to this point it, it's been great it's been great okay 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 <laughs> well, well well done okay well listen seriously a few a, a few things to say um, there is time for this to improve, and there's a bit of an intriguing theory which we're going to discuss in a, in a, in a minute or two. I mean, historically, in January has been Peak Zwift Day, um, and whilst Peak Zwift numbers are a guide to something, uh, and they might be a guide to the number of subscribers, which is really the only thing that matters, they don't, of course, tell us everything. In fact, they just tell us one thing, but it's all we have to go on. So, a 24% increase, I mean, that is a good steady increase, there's no doubt about it, double digit, you know, but explosive growth, maybe not. Uh, Shane, as the winner, <clears throat> I think we've heard enough from that, as the winner in the inner, <laughs> in the inner recesses of Long Beach, uh, are they cracking the champagne or drowning the sorrows? 
Uh, I think this goes a bit of both ways. I think the marketing department and the PR department and the more positive people in the company will be looking at the 24% increase going, yes, that's fantastic. We see growth. There's not stagnation. It doesn't stagnate. It doesn't, what's the word I'm looking for there? I, I'm too excited about winning the numbers. But success has gone to your head. Absolutely. It's that champagne that I'm having after my win. Um <laughs> It's not flatlined. It's not going down. It's increasing. That's fantastic. On the other hand, I think if we listen really carefully, there might be some tables being thumped because, I mean, as I was in the minority guessing low and that's where we came in, I I still want to see Zwift succeed. I'm sure there's other people out there running the numbers who want to see this shoot through the stars. Not quite there yet though. So uh, Mm. I've got my leg on both pedals at the moment, both sides of the saddle of this one. Mm-mm. I mean, 24%, Nathan, it's not to be sniffed at, you know. Um, but using only this metric, then year-on-year year growth has slowed. I can't, I can't remember what the growth figure was last year's year-on-year, year, but I think it was significantly more than 24%. And, of course, there has been a very big, visible, open brackets, expensive, close brackets, marketing spend this year. Um, now, as Shane said, we all do want to see Swift succeed. Of course we do. But is there just a hint of disappointment here? Well, I think a few months ago we talked about we've already hit all the cyclists in, in a lot of ways. Like, And so reaching further out into at least the avid cyclists, people who would be trying to make their trainer situation better. you know, And so that market is probably pretty saturated as far as Zwift goes, you know, and so reaching further out from there is going to be a slower situation. And, you know, there's also going to be the um, ease of access stuff going on there if it's too complicated. I mean, there's a lot of hurdles, I think, that we've been trying to get over for a little while and you can't get a Wahoo bike right now. So, (laughs) like, I mean, so anyways, I, I think, yes, I also think I predicted the first week of February. I'm pretty sure... I said something about two weeks from now we're going to see peaks whip. So I'm still betting. I'm still I'm still at the track, and you guys already left. Like my horse is coming. My <laughs> horse is still coming in. Like the race is not I over yet. A, I demand a recount. I demand a recount. Is the cry. Get off my podium. Get off my podium. <laughs> <laughs> well, strangely enough, Nathan. Um, I mean, you might be onto something there. Uh, a very senior source at. Zwift uh, and I had a little interchange where the the same thing was suggested actually that that Peak Zwift may have moved and and there could be a couple of reasons for that. I mean this 30 day home trial I do think that free home trial thing I do think that is going to be a really powerful driver of growth and maybe maybe we've just not seen the fruits of that yet. Um I think around about the second week of February there are a couple of very big, as so far, unannounced events and some very big guests. So it might well be that the Peak Zwift has, has, is going to move out to a different date. I mean, Shane, do you think that's possible? Oh, Peak Zwift. So you're saying the tectonic plates have moved of this peak. <laughs> well, not Quite yet. Possible. Not yet, but they might do. Yeah, look, I hope so. I really hope so. I want to see thousands and thousands and thousands of people online, more than last year and the year before. Um, yeah, let's wait and see. Next Swiftcast. Stay tuned. Yeah. yeah. Well, of course, we will be keeping an eye on it. 
Okay, well, the Minterview. Uh, you see what I did there? Actually, I didn't do that. It was, it was a very <laughs> clever Zwiftcast listener who coined that phrase. Thanks, Darren. Uh, the set piece Eric Min Zwiftcast interview, known in short form as the Minterview, has now been scheduled. It was scheduled, then it got rescheduled because Eric apparently has got, I don't know, some company to run or other. Uh, and uh, uh, it did get rescheduled, but now it's firmly in the diary. And of course, we will be putting some of these questions to Eric. And it'll be very interesting to see how he responds to them. Right then, the Tour de Zwift. Over 120,000 Zwifters took part last year. This is one very popular event and it's now in full swing. I rode London earlier this week and got a new best 20 minute power number. But more than that, I enjoyed every moment of that ride. It was just fantastic. And I'm, I'm certainly going to be looking to complete every stage. I mean, to me, these huge events, they're just what Zwift is all about. I really, really can't speak highly enough of them. They're so all about the community and participation and motivation. And to me, that it's just the whole essence of Zwift that... Um, you can tell that because the community is, is massively engaged. There's been a real thirst for information about the Tortoise Swift, which hasn't been hugely forthcoming in massive detail from Zwift, which is odd. But that aside, I'd rate the Tortoise Swift as pretty much the most successful thing that Zwift, Zwift does all year. Nathan, are you with me on this one? Uh, yeah, 100%. I think that it's... Uh very, very unifying, like you're saying. Um, I would like to see, and of course, right away, I'm like, okay, what's <laughs> bringing some feedback? The um, the identifiers, like to be more animated or like like some sort of like takeaway that, you know, we, we get a cool kit maybe, or we get like there was, there's some things that you get around it and um uh, we've been doing cool jersey unlocks for a while. It'd be cool if there was like a few extra things added on. You know what I mean? Because I think it would unify even more so. But I, yeah, I mean, I did um the London. What did we climb? Did we climb Leith? Which way? Which uh, no, way did no, we go it, up? It, we it, up? It was London flat. So know. you're out into the country, but on that flat bit. Oh well, I, that I I did. I did. Well, we did. That was yeah, the race. Yeah, yeah. You did the race. That's why you got a peak 20 minute power. That <laughs> yeah. um, I jumped in with some, uh, with, with the fun thing for me was I wasn't paying attention at all at the start. And so I was like messing around or something. I don't know. I was like, oh, shoot. So I kind of caught up as best I possibly could, found myself like, I don't know, 60th through 100th place. And you just kind of slowly work your way up and like, you know, work with whatever group you're with to kind of catch whoever. So it kind of felt like a proper, uh, Trek 100 or like one of these, you know, Fondo kind of situations where like you're just jumping in, doing a big long distance and working with whatever group that you're with. Um, and maybe not there to just win, but work with whoever you're with and, and have that like solidarity. And I definitely felt that amongst the group. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Absolutely right, and, and I mean I did the same thing. But of course, the groups that you're you're passing or are being passed by, they contain names that you see all the time. Because I don't know about you, but I tend to ride Swift at roughly the same time of the of the day. So you do that. There are there are people with the, uh, whose schedules with whom you coincide. So you know, I was seeing names that that are familiar to me, and and it's just that feeling of the community being united. I think it's such a such an important thing, and this is massive positive engagement between company and customers, Shane. 
I just wonder if Zwift is missing a trick by not actually doing more of these, or, or at least do one earlier than January, or, or, or just do two, okay? I mean, I don't watch it, but I'm told it's very popular with young people. There's a television programme called Love Island, uh, massively, massively successful. And I was talking to my daughter the other day, and, she, and I said, what are you doing? She said, oh, I'm watching Love Island. So, well, how, isn't that on in summer? And she said, oh, no, it's on twice a year now. And like, well, of course, why wouldn't it be? You know, if it's like hugely successful once a year, why not do it twice? <laughs> and, and I sort of felt the same about the Tortoise Swift, really. I mean, there's no law that says you only have to have one Tortoise Swift per season, is there, per indoor season? So we're now calling Watopia Love Island? Is that where we're heading with this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people have met on Zwift and have you know, formed relationships. It's a beautiful place to to drop some what bombs and meet your next partner. It's a great place to be. <laughs> Um, yeah, in, in the jungle. Some of, the, some of those glitchy screenshots that you see when people get terribly, terribly. <laughs> Those so runners find their shoelaces. What are they, what are they doing? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever played The Sims, but like in Sims, when two <laughs> people meet, little hearts pop up above their heads sometimes. And when they get hungry, they like they have like little food icons. Maybe we need these like gel icons and different. That's the animations yeah, yeah. we're talking about, right? Not just thumbs. Not just thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> Watopia is Love Island. This, uh, this is getting truly surreal, boys. Okay, truly surreal. Let's, answer your question. Let's drag it. Let's drag it back to the point. Uh, Shane, could, do you think there should be two tortoise whips? Uh, look, I say leave it as it is because if you have too many, you're going to dilute it and people might say, you know what, I'll do the one next month or I'll do the one next week or I'll do the one in five minutes' time if they put a lot of them on. And it becomes not so special. You hold it once a year like the Tour de France. It's very popular. You can have your Giro. You can have your um, your Volta Espana on Zwift or whatever you want to call it. Just my analogy there. Just have one Tour de Zwift, though. I'd like to have one Tour de France. Keep it like that and just expand out a little bit elsewhere. Maybe even have a Tour Down Under as well. Hey, look, look out the window here. It's a Tour Down Under. Brilliant time of year to have one. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad point, that, actually. It's not a bad point. It, it's very kind of singularity makes it makes it special. Um, but, it, it, I mean, it, it, it's so, so, so popular in the community. It, 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 you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a huge success for Swift. Um, and uh, a long way at last. Okay, um, well, for the first time this year, we also have a series of live streamed shows to accompany the Tour de Swift. Uh, I caught up with the Zwift exec who's leading the team making these happen. Well, hello, Nina Kaplan, VP Media at Zwift. Welcome to the Zwiftcast, Nina. Thank you very much, Simon. Nice to be here. Well, let's crack straight on because there's so much excitement around the Tour de Zwift. And to add to it, we have a live streamed show for each stage. What can we expect to see, Nina? Yeah, so so new for this year with the Tour de Zwift, you can, you can choose to ride or race or run each of the stages. And so as racing is now a, a key part of the Tour de Zwift programme, we wanted to incorporate a live pro-am racing element. So the idea being that the day before each stage opens to the community, there'll be a live broadcast where you get to see how the pros and the elite Zwifters take on that particular course. So you're going to get to see some great names out there racing hard and hopefully, you know, inspiring other people to take on um, the tour for themselves. And, but it's not just racing, is it? There's a bit of there's a bit of packaging around it to, 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 to kind of cater for a, a, a wider audience, I think. Yeah, not only did we want to entertain and inspire viewers with with great racing, we also wanted to try and make the shows as useful as possible for any Zwifters who might want to take part. So we're going to preview each stage. We're going to have expert tips. We'll have expert cyclists in the studio and runners 
Um, you know, there'll be features that are designed to help make your Tour de Swift experience better. So we wanted to kind of package up something that wasn't just about an esports race. It was more about um, enabling the community and encouraging everyone to, to take on what is our biggest tour on the Swift platform. Sounds good. But just going back to the race coverage itself, I, I think behind the scenes, there's, 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 there's been quite a lot of experimentation with a view to kind of improving race coverage. What, what are you hoping to achieve, Nina, as this, this develops? We've been working hard on a lot of things, testing a lot of things. Um, and, and my goal with this is that racing becomes as fun to watch as it is to play. Um, and that incorporates everything from the racing format to how we cover the gameplay to the graphics that we use to aid viewer enjoyment to the hosts and commentators who bring it to life for us. So OJ Borge is our host for the, uh, the Tour de Swift show. Because I've always been a game, I've always played computer games, because I like cycling. For me, it was just, this just works. You know, he's a great example of someone who can bring you know, he has esports credibility, presents a lot of esports coverage. He's a radio presenter. He's got a lot of personality. I'm embarrassingly proud that I've won races. Just to point out, I've not won, like, all of the races. I've won the Cat Seas. And as I go through my, my Zwift Power account, I look at it and I think, this is, like, the first thing I have won since I was about 13 years old. But he's also a really passionate cyclist and Zwifter. And so, you know, he brings... Um, that kind of, uh, he brings a different perspective, I think, to our broadcast. I never lose. I just sometimes haven't finished winning when time runs out. And he'll be supported in the studio by expert hosts like Hannah Walker and Danny Rowe and Raya Hubble. So we're investing a lot of time. We're building a new sport here and we're putting as much work as we can into defining what the viewer experience is as we are into what the rider experience will be as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's super important, really, because um, having watched the the coverage of the racing from the very beginning, I mean, I mean, sometimes it's just very difficult to know what what what's going on. I, I guess a lot of work is is aimed around sort of simplifying it without making it with, without robbing anything from it, but making it easier for the casual viewer to to understand a swift race. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to stay true to the. Um, to the kind of core audience who are following this. And a lot of those people are Zwifters who do understand what's going on. But as we grow this and we expect to be able to, you know, um, translate to new audiences and grow our reach and our audience, we do have to kind of take a slightly different slant on it and, and simplify some things down and, uh, and make sure that the entertainment value and the enjoyment value that you get from watching any sport is there and embedded in, in Zwift racing from the beginning. Sounds good. I'm sure there'll be lots of people um, queuing up to watch and, and and watching how this coverage develops. So, I mean, I know there's a ton of ways to watch these shows, but and if you miss them live, you can watch them on Catch Up. Where's best to head? To, is there one place to head to find out where you can watch this stuff, uh, these shows, Nina? We're broadcasting on YouTube, uh, Zwift Live on Facebook. If Twitch and Mixer are your thing, then you can find us there as well. Um, all the races are broadcast live at 7 p.m. GMT. But as you say, you can catch them on demand as and when you want to watch them. So, But no excuse not to be able to find them. They're on all platforms. Yeah, no, no they're, they're not going to be easy to miss. Um, okay, uh, well, just before we wrap up... Um, we do love a guessing game on the Zwift cast. Uh, we've been having fun with guessing Peak Zwift, uh, which we've uh, we've been talking about earlier in, in this episode. But let's have a little guessing game around the Tour de Zwift. I think almost 120,000 Zwifters rode the Tour last year. 
Your prediction for this year, Nina? Oh, that's a tough one. I couldn't possibly. I'm I'm terrible at making predictions on things. But we we don't care if you're wrong. Just give us a number. <laughs> this is going to be the biggest Tour de Zwift ever. You know, with all these new elements, you can ride it, race it, run it. I think this is going to be you know way bigger than it has been in the past. So I'm going to sit on the fence and not give you a number. <laughs> okay, well, that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, okay, somewhere north of one hundred twenty thousand. That's that's the best I'm going to get. Best I'm going to get, I think. Um, and a uh, very final question. Um, I, I think I might know the answer to this because I, I'm guessing you're going to be fairly busy during the Tour de Swift. But are you going to be riding or running the Tour? I'm going to ride it definitely. I'm a relatively new Zwifter, but I'm going to be out there. So hopefully, I'll see some of you out there. Excellent. Brilliant. Thanks very much for your time, Nina. It'd be great to um, to watch how the coverage has developed. And like you say, it should be really easy to find those shows. Thanks very much for talking to us and uh, hopefully we'll talk again. Thank you. Uh, Nathan, two shows have aired now. Uh, I was watching one last night immediately before recording this Zwiftcast. Of course, they're, they're, they're on demand, so anybody can see them at any time. Uh, and we should tell listeners that both of us are involved in production of these shows. So, of course, we are a bit biased. Production quality and race coverage, with one or two tiny exceptions, I, I think is definitely on the up, isn't it? Oh, yes, definitely, definitely on the up. Um, loving the uh, new graphics. And I mean, there's been a lot of work that's gone on in the background uh, in order to get it to the quality. The feedback I see in the streams as well uh, is that the production value has come way up. So it's been really exciting. Um, carrying on straight through, you know, has been, <laughs> has been a little bit, I mean, we, I, I do it a lot, but, um, we are in, we are testing out on Zwift community live new talent and, uh, bringing in some things so that, uh, we get a little bit more color around, uh, my nonstop, uh, machine gunning of the, of the commentary, <laughs> I guess we'll call it. I have a lot of fun with it. It's great. Um, you know, and we come, we come with, I come with a lot of research and information. I know the athletes, what's interesting is watching, uh, the pros come into the space and how the identification of the, the talent that's out there riding all over the world that, maybe didn't have the opportunity to ride in a pro Peloton or even want to besides in this virtual genre of cycling and e-cycling with Zwift is, uh, pretty amazing to watch it develop now. And, um, the pros are getting the doors blown off like, and, uh, yeah. that's really interesting to watch. So that's been yeah, cool yeah. too. I mean, that, I mean, that final sprint in the Innsbruck men's race was, was genuinely exciting. I mean, you know, John Mould so nearly held it to the line. I mean, that, that was a terrific piece of racing. But you're carrying this commentary solo, Nathan. I mean, that's obviously a decision that you've been talking with um, with the people who are making the big decisions on the on the whole show about. And do, do you do you like to carry a whole race solo, or do you prefer a co-commentator? I do prefer to have a co-commentator. I don't mind at all carrying it solo. Like it's it's totally fine um, when. The when when I'm really familiar with, I mean, I'm extremely familiar with the community racers. Um, I'm I'm fairly familiar with those pro teams that are uh, a part of the program because of their interaction with Zwift, and then also watching in real life cycling. But um, you know, that is the the space is bringing personality to it is is the fun is the fun part of it. And now with some of the new ways that we're bringing in camera shots and some of the integrations with um, 
with Swift Power and some background that we're able to do uh, in the research there is really nice. But uh, having somebody else to kind of just because there's two different things that go on. One of them is like just calling what's in front of you. And then the yeah. other one is bringing a little bit more adjective and descriptive work to it. And to try and do both of those things at the same time as a commentator, it's like two different modes your brain is in. One is kind of like math and the other one's poetry, you know, and I literally have to swap my brain in the middle of it all to, to do both. And that can become difficult. Yeah, and, and I noticed, actually, we're deep in the weeds here, but I know people are perhaps interested to hear this. I noticed last night you, you were in one mode and then there was, it, it proved to be a non-significant break, actually, but but one guy did go off the front and he, he got like five, six second uh, a gap at one point. I mean, it was clearly not going to be a race-defining moment, but but you were so midstream about the point that you were making. I, 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 could, I could almost hear the tension because I, I think you wanted to switch to the oh my God, this is happening now mode, but you were in an, a, a, a different mode at the time. And that, I think, is a, is a difficult thing to handle on your own because with a, a co-commentator situation, you'd have just jumped in and said, hey, there's a break. Yeah, and some days, like, it works like, Magic and you know it's the same thing when I'm on if I'm racing my bike. Some days you got you feel like you're you're firing in all cylinders and like the rhythm comes really really naturally along with the race. Um, and then sometimes like it's like oh we need to reset a little bit. And that definitely was one of those one of those. It wasn't horrible. It just you kind of miss something a little bit in how you are storytelling. You know, so I like to be able to storytell as best as I possibly can. And having another voice there to throw it off to a little more quickly so that the cadence changes and so people don't just hear the same thing the whole time is really nice for the for the viewers so we are actually like part of the things that we are doing with Zwift Community Live is bringing in we have Dave Toll, uh, Toll on last week we've got Alex Rosemus in now jumping in with us former world champion on the track so um, we got Koa Sports then down in Australia now doing a broadcast with us on Zwift Community Live so we're starting to build out the talent pool and I would not be surprised to, uh, you know in the next uh, year or so to start seeing some uh, different names and obviously last year at the UK Nationals we had uh, Matt Stevens I wouldn't be surprised to see more from the cycling world coming in and being a part of it all which is really exciting. Yeah. Well, it's a very, very difficult thing you do, Nathan, and you do it very well. And, I, I, you know, like a lot of jobs that I was going to say appear easy, but I don't think even I don't think commentating even appears easy, actually. But a lot of jobs that look effortless, they're really, really, really difficult to do. And they look effortless because the people doing them are, are really good at it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, a of pe- I get a couple of messages uh, a year. Maybe, I don't know, people who are like, they turned on the camera, they gave it a go, and I get a message. Yeah. And, they're, and they're like, Nathan, I have a whole new level of respect. For <laughs> but I just say I have a gift of gab, though. Like, it, for some reason, I flip a switch and boom. Like, I had to work on it for a while. If you see some of the early broadcasts, I cringe. I cringe so horribly at the early Nathan Guerra channel broadcasts because I still had the the gunfire. It just wasn't it wasn't chiseled enough, you know? So, anyways. Well, listen, you do a great job. The big push to get virtual cycling on the Zwift platform adopted as an Olympic sport is continuing. And there was a very, very significant endorsement a few days ago from the president of the International Olympic Committee, Thomas Back. And this guy is a very, very powerful figure in world sport. Um, at an IOC shindig in Switzerland, 
talking about people racing on Zwift, he said, "They are, these are his words, they are not simulating sport, this is sport. Um, Shane, there's now huge momentum behind this. I mean, it's all very well for ambitious CEOs like Eric Min, for instance, to talk about it as a concept, but when the IOC president gets behind it, then this stuff just got, got real, actually, and the pressure on the Zwift team delivering the first virtual world cycling champs in September, I think just got dialed up another notch, didn't it? Yeah, look, who am I to disagree or argue with the president of the IOC? Actually, wait, I'll tell you who I am. I'm the guy, the random guy on the internet who guessed peak Zwift numbers this year. So that's who I am to argue with the IOC president. Um, I've got to pull him up on the fact that they are not simulating sport. Yes, they are. Come on. Let's just... So wait, when they sit you at the table, Shane, when they sit you at the table, that's what we'll say. That'll, that'll be your title. It'll be <laughs> guest peak Zwift yes, numbers sir. correctly. And they sit you at the IOC. Yes, that's, that's what my new name no, but, but, but Back to my point. It's Let's not market the hell. Like, what are you talking about? We're on bikes. We are pedaling cranks that don't exist. We are doing what's peculiar. We're riding mountain passes exactly like simulating cycling. So get that out of the way. Come on, let's be serious. What they need to say is this sport is its own discipline. They are simulating cycling, but so well that it is its own discipline, such as they have gravel championships now. They have track racing. They have uh, many different types of cycling, even the gymnastic cyclists where you sit on your handlebars and spin around. Like that's a UCI level. That's where virtual cycling is at now. So they are simulating the sport, damn it. Like that's just that, – that just got my goat. So from the random guy on the internet who guessed the number to the IOC president – they just need to turn the, the spin down a little bit on that, say what it is, and then you'll get a little bit more respect for from other people to explain it a little better. However, my rant's yeah, not yeah, going yeah. to... But, yeah, no, but I, I think that's a reasonable point, Shane, but I, th- I think there's a bit of semantics going on here. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the difference that he might have been trying to point out with that kind of pithy phrase that that you know goes viral in these, in these circles is that this is not a kid sitting at a keyboard... And, uh, and calling it eSport. Yes. There is real physical effort and athleticism involved Absolutely. in this, even though it's delivered virtually. Simon, and, we and need I you think- on their PR board saying this stuff for them. <laughs> we need you on the press conferences sitting there speaking for them to get it clear for us all. Absolutely. Well, you know, you know. <laughs> I've always been interested in use use of language, um, but 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 yeah, it, it, it you know I, I do think it's an important step that that um, this guy is a serious serious guy, and if oh, yeah. he's saying stuff like that, that is a, a a big 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 leap forward, and of course that will come up in the Mint interview uh, in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, so on that subject, boys, uh, it'll be the last time we mention it um, this episode. On that subject, before we leave it. Um, I asked you to do a little homework. Let's now check your homework. I don't want any excuses that the dog let it or you left it on Love Island. Um, <laughs> a question each, please, that you would like me to ask Eric. Nathan, you to start, please. So, okay, I thought about this all night, actually, and was like, I, I, we tend to, like, point our questions at something we want. And I want to know, yes. though, what it... So we all assume that Eric... Maybe we don't all assume this, but Eric is getting what he wants out of the game always. But like, so a lot of times things are made from a business point of view, or there's a lot of different sections of Zwift that are all trying to make all different things happen on a certain plan. 
And I'm wondering from early days, what, you know, the company five years now, right? 2015, 2014 even. Was there something early on that he was like dreaming of that really wanted to be in game that he doesn't have in game that he, if he could just snap his fingers, what would it be? Like an enjoyment, like something that he would just really, a feature that Eric is like, I want this, but can't have it right now. And if I could snap my fingers, it would be there. Okay. Um, in brackets, without having to consult all the different stakeholders. Exactly. Without having to do anything yeah, yeah, yeah. whatsoever. Here's a feature that he had dreamed about. Like, you know, it's Christmas morning. I can open it up and it's in Zwift. Boom, there it is. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Shane, your question, please. I had slated here Kicker or Neo, but I think we asked that one last year, didn't we? So <laughs> I, I can't go to the, the age old question, Kicker versus Neo. Um, look, I'd have to ask Eric, what can he tell us about the hardware aspirations of Zwift? And the reason why I'm focusing on hardware is nearly every single day in the Llama Lab, a box shows up, either a new trainer, new piece of equipment that interacts with Zwift or cycling in general. Uh, I want to know what can he tell us where they're heading with hardware. We've seen it, that they're heading that direction. They've admitted that. Um, they've got the job postings out there and they've spun up a little arm to deal with hardware. Can he, I guess, um, expand on that a little more? I'd, I'd like to hear any anything about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that, that that was on my list, but I'll I'll, I'll allow you to replace me, uh, of course, and, and <laughs> a natural area of interest for you. And as now you're a, a highly privileged member of the Swiftcast team, having correctly guessed the number. Oh, of the, did we mention we that already? That? The, I, I, I think we need to mention that again. I got that right. Yes, <laughs> that that the, your newfound status means that my questions will be will be supplanted by. by <laughs> by yours in that area. Okay, thanks, boys. Right, onwards. Uh, big news for runners. A couple of weeks ago, a new 400-metre track in Zwift called Mayfield. Get it? Get it? Mayfield? Mayfield? Yeah, okay. Uh, I caught up with Chief Zwift runner Stephen Cousins. Well, welcome to the Zwiftcast to Stephen Cousins. Stephen, I'm not quite sure how to describe you. I think runner community champion might be the best way to do it. I don't know about champion. Thank you very much for that. Community run leader, I guess, blog writer, content provider, live streamer, all those kind of things. Let's just call you Mr. Running on Zwift. I think that will do. Um, so listen, the track arrived kind of out of a clear blue sky, actually, a clear blue track out of a clear blue sky um, on January the 2nd. So first question, Question, really, has it been received by the running community? It has been received amazingly well, actually. Um, it is bizarre because we are a bunch of nerds, aren't we, really, all running on our treadmills or, or on our bike trainers um, around this virtual world. And actually, what we wanted was a, was a track. We don't want to run in the wilderness, in the woods. We just want a bog-standard track. It's weird. It's a little bit like this constant clamour for a velodrome and I, 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 from cyclists. You're not going to get it. <laughs> well, I did see some amusing commentary from some people saying, why have they put a velodrome in Zwift that's coloured blue and only populated by runners? Yes, and how do we get on it? The, the, all, <laughs> all the riders are going, how, how can we get access to it? I mean, to me, looking at the, at the running forums, it seems to have gone down very well. Yeah, I mean, I think, it, you know, a lot of people want some kind of structure in their training. Um, and when you're kind of plonked on the road, um, whether it's the, the run-only path by the beach, which is lovely, um, or or on the main roads with the cyclists, you're kind of, you, you're kind of dumped there and, and off you go. 
on the track when you when you're spawned in onto the track it feels a little bit more focused um and you have 400 meters to do something with um and and i think that focuses your mind a bit more uh, plus it looks gorgeous doesn't it i love the blue the, the design of the track is you know you wouldn't find that anywhere else in the world and that that is again the beauty of Zwift, especially Watopia, where the designers can just let their imagination fly, and and we get things that you wouldn't get in the real world. Absolutely, no, I mean they can do anything. It's all ones and zeros. Um, to me also, I mean, as you know, I'm not a runner, but to me also, just looking at the kind of thing that people are saying, the other huge benefit of it is it's a meeting place. I mean, uh, you know, this obviously happens in cycling, but I think it happens more in running. You get like a hundred runners out on course, and you you don't really see anybody else because the pace is too different. Whereas with the track, it's literally a, an area to congregate and, and socialize as well as run. There are so many miles of road on Zwift with over the seven worlds it you know you do find that sometimes and, and especially actually also in group running because i don't know if you're aware in, in in group running there are different kinds of group workouts you can do and one of the group workouts you can do um is based what you run based on your own pace settings so if you're the only person who runs at that particular pace you can quickly find yourself spread out and and you're on your own um so the track, regardless of what kind of session you're doing, you will always see somebody there. You'll always, always be running past people or running with people. Um, and, and it does, yeah, it absolutely makes for a much more social experience. Again, which is, which is what Zwift wants. The, the whole idea of this is to try and make Zwift a, a social world, a community. Um, and, and this helps achieve that in a, in a, in a big way. Yeah, absolutely, and and of course that was one of the the, 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 the secrets of success of, of Swift in the early days of cyclists. Of course, was this social idea, and I, I, I do think the track will help contribute to that to running. Um, do you think, Stephen, it will make your ambassadorial job, um, which is hey runners, come and run on Swift because it's really great fun? Do you think the track will make that easier? Um, it's that's difficult to say. It depends who you're referring to. Um, if you're referring to new runners who have never seen Swift before. Um, not necessarily, because I think possibly, you know, the, the, the idea of saying to a brand new runner, look, come and run on a treadmill and I'll plonk you on a running track to run around around 400 meters um, is, is possibly not the most attractive proposition initially. Mm. So you, you, th you think the appeal will be more to the kind of interval workout, serious structured training merchants? Yes, um, but also it, it, it is a place where lots of people, as you said earlier, congregate, whether they're doing a, a, um, a group run or not, or any, a structured session or not. And they can, they can run around the track a couple of, couple of times and then, then go off elsewhere if they, if they want to. But as you said, it's a meeting place, and I think that's what it will turn out to be more than anything else. And we're always happy to get one over on the cyclists who've been clamoring for a valid road for five years now, since the very early days. Stephen, final question. Runner's gener generosity of spirit knows no bounds. Surely you would you would permit the tracks to be opened up to cyclists one day of the year. <laughs> Simon, you are a funny man. <laughs> I'm taking that as a no. Well, do you know what? Can you imagine if it was open to cyclists? That I think that's the reason the velodrome ha hasn't happened really, because the number of cyclists it it would just be absolutely rammed, wouldn't it?
really pleased to hear you're enjoying the track, you and your, your running colleagues. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Simon. Cheers. So was, uh, Stephen didn't seem to welcome the prospect of, 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 of cyclists being allowed on, on, the running, <laughs> on the running track there, chaps, and perhaps unsurprisingly, actually. Um, uh, runners get their velodrome. Um, I think we can let them have that one, can't we, Nathan? <laughs> They're not bugging us on the roads, but I think we'll definitely bug them if we put our big old bike. Like, bikes just take up more space. So... That's fine. It's totally fine. They can go hang out over they, they over there. And I th- I would actually be I think that there's a opportunity there with like 400s and 800s and all that kind of stuff, you know. So um the the track is a space where um this athletics of running is expressed at a viewership level much higher I think than you see with long distance running uh, cross country type running or anything like that so there's an expression there that I think might be attractive and and I think it's a good move uh, for that I, I think what it does open up is the prospects and I know you've seen these in real life um, Shane where people leap from the bike to the treadmill uh, that there is now a, a real opportunity for that to be visually excitingly represented within the Zwift world that uh, what's it? Duathlon is that what we call it? And that that makes me think of a man lying in the snow and shooting a gun and then furiously skiing somewhere. But that's a different that's a different sport. Biathlon. You're thinking biathlon. <laughs> they held a duathlon here at the Tour Down Under. This is the theme of this week, isn't it? The Tour Down Under as a, a as a test event here. Was it last year or the year before? Where they had people on the running machines. They jumped off and got on the bike. The crowd went crazy because no one knew what was going on. People are holding their beers, slipping over, running, putting bike shoes on. From it was heaps of fun. It's really cool. Um, they could then sort of tame that down a little bit to our pain caves where people have a treadmill and a bike and do, um, yeah, dual, duathlon events. I reckon that's a fantastic idea to do. Yeah, absolutely. And on the track, that makes it a lot easier as well because you can, if you're lapping people or uh, – I, like I like the track. It, it just opens up more opportunities. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, we'll let you have that one, runners, even though it is a blue velodrome. Um <laughs> we'll, we'll let you have it. Uh, okay, time to mop up a few bits and pieces before we go. Um, Shane, God, I tell you, this is a Shane show this week. Um, not only, <laughs> not only did you correctly pick the peak Swift number, I think we've actually done that. You hit a hundred thousand <laughs> subscribers on YouTube, man. And I know that's a big landmark for you. Congratulations. How does it feel, Shane? Could you make a short speech thanking your agent and your mum? Look, I'll have to say that is actually six times uh, 16,666 is 100,000. So it's a derivative of the the estimation that I got correct the other day. Yes, 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. It's the first creator milestone where they actually acknowledge your channel. Um, You get a little plaque sent out saying, congratulations, you've reached a certain level of YouTubeness. It's kind of a maturing of a YouTube channel. Maybe I'll get someone to call next time they delete my account or Peloton try to sue me or something like that. I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> Look, it's a number that really, um, yeah, it hopefully deflects the channel from being a hobbyist, I guess, into more of a business, into, a, you know, what I do all the time and put my heart and soul into for all I have for the last three and a half years and hopefully three and a half more coming up. Yeah, well, congratulations, folks. But it's a big landmark, that. When do you put on the most subscribers? I mean, presumably... Uh, I mean, why not? I experimented on a very, very, very small scale uh, with the YouTube channel when we were doing the video version of the Zwiftcast. It, it was quite exciting to, to get the little email that said you have 
uh, I mean, in my case, it was, <laughs> you know, double digit new subscribers. I, I would imagine yours is a bit more. But well, yeah, I mean, you can track when your new subscribers arrive. And, and, and what's the big time for you? I guess Northern Hemisphere winter, isn't it? It's kind of weird. I'm a more of a resource channel than either entertainment or vlogging. So my content is evergreen. My Zwift on a Budget video from 2016 still gets a number of hits and still gets a number of subscribers from that single video. So it's very consistent. So the growth has been, the trajectory has been very, very smooth. It's when you hit uh, the jackpot, such as a viral video, like the ceramic speed drivetrain video I did at Eurobike, which is still the most watched video ever made at Eurobike. I'm talking GCN and all the other bigger YouTubers and even Eurobike themselves. I still have the number one video from um, Eurobike. So it's something and went viral. That was millions of views, wasn't it? Yeah, Four, five, five, six million views? Three million views, which resulted in about 10,000 subscribers. So a massive upswing there when you put out interesting content. So that's what it's all about. It's about having interesting content. And look, recently, some of the content's been obviously interesting because people have been watching. So the growth has been uh, raising a little bit. Um, definitely the comments and interaction around the Northern Hemisphere indoor season is always there around my Zwift content, my indoor content, my power meters, things people are trying to debug and use indoors. That does pretty well, but it's evergreen, which is what I do like. There's no real off season for the channel. So yeah, it's a lot of work, but I do love it and I'll keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, people find that content very useful. And as you say, um, you're a kind of reference channel in many ways uh, and that uh, the beauty, I think, of that kind of catalogue content is it's it's very long lasting. It's very durable, uh, and particularly if it's stuff that you don't have to go back and revisit and update. I mean, I still refer people to your how to quickly take off uh, uh, pedals without doing your knuckles in uh, oh, video. I, I, you know, I still send people to that because that it was like the definitive way to do that thing. You know, and, I can still figure out how to take the pedals off, and that method. Press down, pull up, done. If anyone hasn't seen it, it is how to remove pedals the easiest way, GP Lama. You'll find that and you'll be blown away and you'll never, ever cross thread a pedal again. Yeah, no, it's true. But, but the thing is, you, you will never need to update that. Oh, not never. But, you you know, that, that video needs no further work, does it? That can just sit there and wash its face now. Yeah, that one, Zwift on a budget. Also, Erg Mode explained how Erg Mode works from basics to the complex side of how to ride Erg Mode. That's evergreen. That stays around forever and ever. Also, how to fix a coffee machine is always up there. Because <laughs> I tried to fix a coffee machine one day with a Zwift mug. It's kind of hilarious. But everybody with an espresso machine that doesn't pump water finds my video and gives it a thumbs up. It's great. <laughs> so evergreen yeah. content. <laughs> How interesting. How interesting. Um, okay, a bit more tech stuff from you, Shane. Did I spy a crank-based power meter from the big daddy of power testing, SRM? Tell us more. Oh. Uh, well, I'll have to uh, refer listeners over to my channel to have a look at the SRM Origin power meter, which has been put through the Llama Lab, the most expensive power meter ever to be tested in the Llama Lab. In Australian dollars, you're looking at just over $3,500. Not for the bike. Not for the trainer, not for the car that drove it around. The car was worth less. Um, the crank is worth a lot of money. Now, SRM have been known as a three gold and a half, Three and a half thousand bucks. Mm, Australian dollars. So it's probably half that for US dollars. And it's a few slabs of beer in Australia. It's it, There's taxes and things involved. But it's, it's a lot of money. Did it live up mm. to the hype? Not quite. Not quite. And I go into detail in my video about the reasons for that. That's usually... Well, it's the lack of features, I guess. They sort of SRM hit pause about ten years ago on their feature sets and haven't progressed from there. So, look, I expect SRM will move very soon. 
Uh, I mean, no Bluetooth. So for indoor cycling, you're hooking up to Apple TV. You can't use your SRM direct. Yeah. Showstopper. Showstopper. Um, hmm. It's an interesting one. Um, Particularly priced at that level. And, and, and this comes in the same uh, time period as stages of what reduced to 299 US now. Yeah, the um, one-sided uh, or the, the single-sided left 105 crank and now stay, uh, Shimano-based power meters single-sided. I get pretty good data out of. It's the right side that causes a few issues. But yeah, if you want an introduction to um, power, having a real power number and you're okay with left only and you're pretty balanced on the pedals, under $500, under $400 as opposed to <laughs> SRM, it's a no-brainer where to go for the introductory models for sure. Yeah, it sure is. I, I do wonder who, who SRM is... Uh is appealing to with those prices and, and lack of features. Anyway, um, Nathan, uh, back 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 to back to, back to you and, and commentary style. And and you mentioned this uh, briefly earlier, but um, Dave Toll, big name in the US racing scene, uh, entered entered the world of, of Zwift racing as a co commentator with you. Um, I <clears throat> excuse me, listened to a bit of it, and uh, it was Dave being Dave. Um, uh, he is a he's a big noise in the US, isn't he? Yeah, he like, toured California, you know, he's done, I mean, he's done all of the uh, pro racing here, domestic for a really long time. He's on the circuit. So it's really great to bring him on board. Um, you know, we're looking to most likely do one a week, it looks like, uh, but TDZ has gotten a little bit like there's, there's priorities around, you know, and so we've, um, but I think we'll have him back on next week. Um, and uh, there's just a couple of technical stuff that needs to get uh you know, hammered out a little bit here and there, but uh, really excited to have him on. And uh, we're looking to have a super consistent uh, series covered with him over the next, over, you know, throughout the rest of this, uh, this winter, I would hope at least uh, and this kind of growth out from there. It's nice to have uh, that color, like we were saying, and he he's learning the whole world of racers as well. Uh, that's kind of his forte. It seems like is like, he's really embedded in, American and North American cycling and knows all the riders personally, but then he brings this awesome, like lots of adjectives, descriptive, like I was saying earlier, poetic, like cycling language, you know, around his commentary, which is a lot of fun to have. And after the, afterwards, he was so excited about the racing and he was like, I could tell he's reinvigorated about like commentating on cycling almost. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, his, he was, his excitement was all over social media. Um, interesting point you make there. Uh, question for you. Who's the teacher and who's the pupil when you're commentating with Dave? He continually comes back to me and tells me I'm the teacher. And I continually come back to him and say, look, I'm learning a lot from you as well. And what's also interesting when he gets into social spaces and starts talking about it, then I see like other commentators start to go, Hey, what? Uh, that, uh. So Tim Johnson's then in there, you know, the ex cyclocross national champion who now is doing, you know, some talent work as well. I saw Brad Soner mentioned, you know, and so like, there's this whole new space that's starting to open up and people who might've just kind of been like, wow, it's just indoor or whatever. They're going, wait, now what's going on over here a little bit. So, um, that, that's kind of cool to see as well and, um, get some interactions in there, but definitely, uh, both of us are learning a lot. I'll, I'll say that we both are picking up a lot from each other, um, in, uh, in, in the, in the learning curve. I think as far as the, um, 
interactions with the online and digital world, there is going to be a lot more picked up for Dave. Whereas I've been involved in cycling for, you know, 15 years and race professionally. So I have a lot of background there. I just haven't done in real life commentary there. So, uh, but at the same time, like I, uh, learn a lot about presence though from Dave in some ways, if that makes sense. Diplomatic answer, dude, very diplomatic. Um, uh, and just before we finish up, uh, you have made some kind of big decision about your IRL racing future, haven't you? You just entered a race series or something? Yeah, I'm going to register for a pro license race domestically on a regional level uh, this summer and see where it goes kind of a thing. I wouldn't be surprised, though. I hear a lot of times, as long as uh, these, you know, this, this bag of bones has got it still, that you can uh, come back after a break like that even stronger as long as you got the motivation. And so I'm excited to see what happens this summer. Nathan 2.0. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Well, uh, that's nearly it, boys. And um, we're all doing all stages of the Tour de Zwift, aren't we? I mean, Shane, I know it's like hot and summer there, but are you going you gonna to find time to get them all done or...? I'm doing real life Zwift rides over here in Adelaide with all Zwifters all week. So that's mine. Uh, but when I'm back home, it depends. We shall see. You might see me popping in there, maybe with a wild hairdo and a different jersey on or something like that to try and hide away. But we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to try and complete all stages. Um, I'm, I might be slightly challenged next week because I'm, uh, I'm in the mountains um, heading downhill. I always think I, I like to ski and I always think it's, there's a bit of karma involved in my in my approach to skiing, because you kind of sit in a chairlift and you feel like you're cheating. Uh, being, <laughs> being pulled uphill so you can go downhill using only the force of gravity. But then I always I always say to myself, but hang on, man, you have sweated up plenty of mountains under your own steam over the years. So, um, so I feel less guilty about the whole chairlift thing. Uh, Nathan, I assume you are definitely doing all stages. Well, okay. So I was going to do, I did the first stage. I'm working on it. Um, I'm trying to put it in with the base training. And so I just kind of like jump in and, and make sure, I mean, the amount of hours, but there's sickness in the house. In all honesty, I would, I would have rode today and we're pushing 20 hour weeks. So yes, I have the time to do it, but um, I didn't ride today and I might not ride the next couple of days just in case I do have an incubation of flu because li my little boy is puking downstairs. So like, you got to be really careful. Like the coach Nathan coming out a little bit here. Like if you sense at all that it's coming on, you can actually um, bypass sickness because you weaken your immune system so much as an endurance athlete, especially during base time that uh, taking a couple of days uh, can, can be helpful. Even if you didn't supposedly catch it, because you might just not have symptoms. So, uh, but as long as there's no symptoms popping up in the next day or two, I'll hit stage two and then we'll keep on with the rest of it. Rest is never a bad thing. Uh, okay, that's it, folks. Uh, thank you very much indeed for listening to The Shane Show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, you can take it, your... We'll have the Nathan Show in two weeks when we actually have peaks whipped, okay? That's what's <laughs> going to go down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll look forward to that one. Uh, thanks very much indeed for listening. Thanks for contributing, of course, you too. Um, uh, excellent. Thank you. Talk to you next time. Goodbye. All right. Cheers, guys. Talk soon. See ya. Bye. 
And that is that for episode 75. Thanks for listening. And the usual thanks to Zwift for continuing to support the podcast without interfering with what we say. The decisions taken on the podcast about content are all ours. Thanks for listening again. See you next time. <laughs>